Today's guest is Tina Angeli. She is the author of the book, We Are Angels, and she is the director of the Soul Center in Granby, Connecticut. She is a psychic, a medium, a channel healer, and she has had three near-death experiences. Tina, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you coming and sharing your story. Jeff, thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. So Tina, the audience really likes to hear NDE stories. So can we start with your most recent near-death experience? Okay, so the most recent one uh, that truly impacted me uh, was uh, in 2012, January 5th of 2012. I was in my car and I got hit by an SUV. My car was small and... um, it kind of uh, moved around the, the the road a few times before it stopped on the side of the road. But while all this was happening, I found myself where I my soul was coming out of my body, and it was like a suction. That it felt like a suction coming out of my body. And then I instantly found myself ab- above on this for lack of better words, it was a a space, like a room, but the walls were made out of this incredible white light. And it was so loving. And in this room, I was faced by a very ornate table. And uh, behind this table, this curved table, like a half moon shape, were nine entities I actually found myself counting them because at first I thought it was seven. So there's nine entities. And I knew instinctively that the one in the middle somehow was the decision maker. The others were there to kind of, even though I was far away from them because I was on the other side of this table, it felt like they was just embracing me with this the most incredible feeling of, infinite love and I I was very emotional I said no I can't leave yet I have so many things to do on the earth yet and it felt like at that moment I knew exactly what the things that I was supposed to be doing were but I don't recall all of them uh, after I came back from that okay so I um I instantly felt and saw these entities, but they, I couldn't, they were wearing these uh, brown, light brown capes. And all I could see, I couldn't see their faces because their faces was uh, this bright light, but they were wrapped in these capes. And I knew, I knew that the they were wearing these capes for my purpose so I could be aware of how many there were there. There were nine. And I didn't find out who they were many until many years later, actually just a few months before I finished, uh, write, I finished writing my book that uh, who they are, what their names are and all that, what their function is uh, on, on the other side, uh, as far as how they help us. And so I, uh, I heard, okay. And I, then I found myself 
again, instantly back into my body, again, like a suction back in instead of out. And that's when I started to feel the pain. The smell was awful because the, the, the airbag in the car had exploded. And it was an awful odor that was coming out of there. But interestingly enough, when I was above, I could see the people around the car. They were coming around. They were. I could feel that some were curious and some were actually uh, concerned about me, whether I was still dead or alive. And, um, and when I got back into the body, I could see these same people <laughs> down, down there. And it was... Uh, it was the most amazing thing because when uh, the ambulance came, I uh, they checked me and they wanted to, to send me to the the hospital and I didn't want to go and it it, it was uh, it was very emotional but I I don't know it, how else to to continue with that I finally did end up going to the hospital. And uh, I had no broken bones, which, again, it was a miracle because the car was totaled and I got hit on the driver's side. And while in the hospital, they took a test and all that. There were no broken bones, but I had black and blue marks all over me. And uh, the pain was just uh, unbearable. They started to give me medication through the IV and all that. And uh, then they send me back home early in the morning. And it was a very uh, painful uh, situation, but I still wasn't clear because I knew instinctively, I knew that there there was more information while I was up there, but I couldn't remember it. And so later I made an appointment with uh, someone who does uh, regression, but not past life regressions, that regressions in a way that you can go back to a traumatic time and find out more, which I, I did do that. And it was, uh, it was quite interesting because I learned a lot more about that on all the details about this I placed in the book and actually the uh, chapter of, of that <laughs> situation, I called it the miracle car crash because it's exactly how it felt to me. There was no way looking at that car. No one could possibly have thought that the person in it would still be alive. Hmm, wow. Let me see if I can clear up a few things for me. So okay. you got hit by the vehicle did you first go out of your body and looking over the scene or did you go from your body straight to that room? And then when you left the room, you came back and saw everything before you popped into your body. It was, it was just like in, instantaneously. But it, the strangest thing was that I, while I was there and again, like a suction, came, the, the soul came out of my body and I went up to this area, this room uh, again, for lack of better words, but I could see, I could see everything that was going on below where the car was and the people around it. I could read their minds. I, everything was so crystal clear to me. People's thoughts, everything. So it was almost, it, basically you're saying it was simultaneously. You were with yes, the beings. Yes, simultaneously. And at the same time, perceiving what was going on down at your car yes, as well. Yes, because uh, it is my understanding that 
that when you go to the other side, there is no time. Right. What about this? As soon as you were up there, did you realize that you were out of body and you were like, oh, what? And yeah, you understood I, or were you completely disoriented and saying, hey, where am I? What's going on? No, I uh, I was curious about the, those entities. And as I became aware of the fact that the reason why they were wearing those capes was for my purpose, for my benefit. So mm-hmm. I would know, I would remember that there were nine of them. Uh, otherwise, it would be just this big blob of white light. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, I was aware. I realize that all the details are in your book, but at least can you tell us where those entities, angels, or just non-human intelligence, you know, multidimensional beings? You said it. That's who they were. And I learned later, like I said, just before I finished the book, a little less than two years ago, was that they are called the Lords of Karma. Wow. Wow. And the Lords of Karma has nothing to do with the karma that we think of. It has to do with them being uh, assigned to help those of us who are doing certain types of work and also helping those who are ready to go to the other side to to do so in a smoother way. Hmm. That's interesting. And just one of them was in charge, as you mentioned. Yes, I knew instinctively that the one in the middle was the one that made the decisions. I don't know how I knew, but I knew. Were they commu- I'm assuming they were communicating with you telepathically. Yes, definitely telepathically. I hear so many different NDEs because I do this almost every day. Yeah. When you were communicating with them, was it just like a knowingness of their thoughts or did you actually perceive their voices? No voices. It was just this uh, uh, clear knowing you were kind of like knowing what they were trying to tell yeah. you. Okay. And they knew what I was saying. Like even my communicating with them was also telepathically because I wasn't in, a, in my body. I was a, my soul mm-hmm. was there. And I could see myself being like a holographic imagery. Mm-hmm. Now, since you've had two other NDEs before this, and you've had that experience. Do you think that helped you realize that you were having an NDE again? Probably the answer is yes, because once you you leave the body, even though you're still in a kind of decision-making as far as going back to it, the uh, silver cord, I don't know if you heard of that, mm-hmm. the silver cord, yeah. it's not detached. So it's just, so it is definitely... It was all knowing. I, I, everything became uh, knowledge, knowledge about the the cosmic and everything. But it's it was hard for me to process everything. It just was this accepted knowledge of everything. Okay, my uh, past, the future, everything. There was never no thought in your mind like, oh wow, I'm out again. I didn't think of it that way. I was really uh, passionate about that. I wasn't. Uh, no, I'm not ready yet. I have too many other things to still do on the earth. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's interesting. All right. And, and normally, because it, normally everybody wa- wants to stay. It's like, well, what was wrong with me? <laughs> I wanted to go. No, I think, I, you know, from my experience, not everybody wants to stay. Well, so. mostly, most of the people that I've heard of want to stay. <laughs> 
Well, maybe in that place that you were at, sounds like it was a more transitional place than um, – because it doesn't sound like to me you were like in a place of overwhelming, unconditional love. It was it was then I definitely felt uh, love from all the entities, even though they were not really close to me. But I felt this incredible loving embrace. Right. And it might have been uh, something like the Hall of Knowledge or, or or something like that. Obviously, everybody's experience is unique to them. Yes. But some of the similarities similarities I see is that they're either in a place that's completely dark or they travel to a place that ultimately is a place that's really like being in a warm, loving light. And then when they're in that warm, loving light place, then they just are like in this place of like overwhelming love. It felt very familiar. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's go backwards then. We'll work backwards in your life. What happened with the NDE previous to that one? Okay, that was, uh, I don't recall the year, but it was, uh, I was in my mid-20s, mm-hmm. and I had uh, uh, two young daughters. My daughters were young. They were all under 10 years old, and, and uh, we were at a lake, a man-made lake, and uh, I was watching my, my two girls swim, and I, I I went in the water, but not too far in, because I knew I couldn't swim. I never learned, but I was uh, watching over them. And all of a sudden, I tripped on something, and I, I went down. The harder I tried to get up, the the further in I went. And it's it felt, it was so painful. My chest felt so painful because I was starting to uh, swallow water. Mm. All of a sudden, I heard this, like a, a snap. And the pain went away. Hmm. I was still, you know, the water was still in me, but it just, the pain went away. And I started to see this, uh, a slideshow that tells my age, right? A slideshow. And it was above me. And each of the slides of the slideshow represented a scene uh, in my life. Some of the scenes, I didn't recognize them. And then I, when I became kind of confused about it, I would hear a snap again. And I would understand that the ones, the scenes that I didn't recognize either had, had not happened yet, or they were past lives. Mm-hmm. Now the theme there was me understanding my situation with uh, my then husband, who later I, I divorced, but I learned that my situation, the abusive situation was only going to get worse. Within this near death, you know, this life review, I guess that's what they call it. Uh, the INS uh, situation where you see the past, the present and future in an NDE, it's called a life review. Have you ever heard that term? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, so I saw the the past with him where I died in his hands uh, in in different places. And I also saw the future that things were only going to get worse with him. And I also remember that within this 
time frame, and I don't know, I don't know how long it was, but I became there was some kind of a strength that was becoming part of me, this focused strength that I knew I needed to get out of that situation, not only for my sanity, but also for the sake of teaching by example, not to take this type of treatment from uh, my, my husband then, teaching that to my, uh, my two daughters, by example. I was so aware of that while I was there. And then all of a sudden I got pulled out of the water. It was uh, not my ex-husband, but my uh, my friend, Emma, she pulled me out of the water. And then I started coughing uh, the water out of my um, my throat and I started to feel pain again. I was trying to catch my breath. The kids were crying. He was, uh, my ex was saying, you know, he was being, trying to be funny by saying, oh, she should have left me there to die and all this uh, this stuff. So, and it took me a while to, to get out of that situation, but I was very focused. I was, uh, I knew, and I was told while I was there that the help would be there. All I needed to do is, is ask. So I always remember that through the, the, the time of between after my, uh, near-death experience and the time when I finally decided to get out of the situation. So were you seeing slides with your ex-husband in past lives? With Yes, and but I didn't understand what they were because, I, you know, we didn't look the same. I said, what is that? So every time I, I would have this confusion in my mind, I would hear this snap, like somebody was snapping a, a finger. And that's when clarity would become part of the deal. Hmm. So I was shown the past and I was shown also parts of the future. Hmm, that's very interesting. Very powerful stuff. It, you know, just the, it's like when I'm talking about it now, it feels like I'm, I'm there, back there again. Do you believe that the images they showed you were very significant things? very emotional things, very impactful things in your life or just random pictures of your life? No, they were, they were all connected. Uh, they showed me that in, um, in previous lifetimes where I died at, uh, on his, at his hands, uh, this lifetime was created just so I could get out of it without losing my life first to be able to understand and and so that's what my focus was I was very focused I was very but it it still took me quite a while to get out of it but then I I became I always had that focus okay I gotta get out when when is the right time Mm. I was also afraid of him because he was uh, he was uh, he continued as I saw in the NDE he continued to be more and more uh, abusive do you think that this NDE wasn't by accident? Maybe that this was planned out for you to, to wake you up and say, hey, you need to get away from this guy? Yeah, the clarity came to me for that purpose. So I could experience, I feel, I could experience that which I signed up for. Right. So to have that clarity. Do you mind me asking how you finally got rid of him? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, finally 
asked, uh, I, I said, I could no longer live like that. And I said, I, I want a divorce. Of course, he, you know, he beat me up in front of the kids and all that. And mm-hmm. it, it was very interesting because, like I said, in the book, I put it in and it was it was the most amazing thing. As he was uh, pushing me around, he scratched my arm mm-hmm. and there was this little drop of blood that was going down my arm. And as I was crying, I was watching this drop of blood and it it kind of gave me this, this feeling like it was almost like I was, I stepped out of my body and it was, uh, it was giving me the strength to stick to what I, I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to, I think I did a better job in the book <laughs> explaining all that. <laughs> I know I'm generalizing here, but you're an Italian woman. So I'm guessing you grew up at least Catholic. In- uh, yeah, I I grew up Catholic. Yes. <laughs> so, did you feel like any part of these experiences had any any Catholicism in it? No. No, I when I was a child uh, growing up in Italy, because I came to this country when I was fourteen, something didn't quite fit, didn't make sense to me because I would see how the Catholic church was doing things that just didn't feel right. And I, I, I really didn't have respect. And, and that doesn't mean that all the churches are the same, but that's my, that was my experience in that little town that I grew up in. All right. Now in the second NDE, basically you got a life review. I don't think yes. you saw any beings during the second one or perceived any, did you? No, just these uh, these scenes uh, with the with the slideshow and the snaps. It was just it did feel like there was some kind of uh, guidance, but I didn't see uh, I didn't see anything, anyone, any entities at that point. But I did feel guided, and I felt like I was being pumped in with this strength energy to for me to be able to do this mm. in this lifetime all right so let's talk about your first nde when you were a child what happened then okay so i was uh two years old and my uh my one-year-old sister uh died of a childhood disease and um what was interesting was that a few days, I was only two. Nobody explained anything to me. And the, the poor thing kept crying all the time. And and of course, she was being taken care of. I don't know if it was out of jealousy or what it was. But one time, I just wanted her to stop crying. I, I slapped her face. I, I just slapped her. And uh, of course, she cried even more. And uh, my, especially my father, every time he would get drunk, he would blame me for slapping my sister and she died. Hmm. Okay. So it felt like I was being blamed for that. As I, of course, as I got older, I realized that there was medicine available. He didn't went to buy it for whatever reason, but 
every time he would uh, he would get drunk, it was always uh, you know cry about the beautiful Teresa and how bad I was for slapping her. I was uh, used as a as a tool to to get rid of their own frustrations. I suppose I don't know, mm-hmm. but it was it was very very tough, and so within. Just the, I don't know how many days, but within a short period of time, that's when I started to see this beautiful lady that when my parents would fall asleep, I would still be awake because I'd be thinking about, you know, being responsible for this, the death of my sister. She would come in and just uh, sometimes she would play peekaboo, hide behind a piece of furniture or something. And then she would roam, she would dance. She had no wings. It was just a veil kind of outfit. She, I remember so vividly the soles of her feet, the veil outfit, or beautiful uh, wavy hair, long hair, black hair, a gorgeous face. Her eyes sparkled so beautifully, and I, I just looked forward to seeing her every night. She would not say anything except for the speakaboo, but she would always be with me. And uh, I feel like she was my uh, my spiritual babysitter. Mm-hmm. I felt I feel like she was uh, kind of keeping me sane. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if the, that's the right word. Yeah, it makes sense. So then, when I was uh, the age of uh, eight, I didn't realize it then, but I started to question: Oh God, other people cannot possibly see. You know, people roaming around when, and being able to see the bottom of their feet. They're not walking. They're, they're just flying around and no wings. And so I, I said to to myself that I did not want to, I did not want to deal with that anymore. I did not want to be different. Mm-hmm. To be abandoned and different, it was just too much for me to take. I didn't want to do that. So I said, I don't want to deal with this right now. That wish was honored. And I didn't see her again until 26 years ago over my garage. All right. Let's go into that. How did you see her over your garage? Well, uh, (laughs) I was uh, feeling sorry for myself. And um, I I was saying, oh, I know that people have uh, angels. uh, And I, uh, you know, I hear that they have big angels and that. And I guess uh, my work is not important because I don't. I don't see any. And, and of course, at that time, I didn't consider the beautiful lady that I would see from the age of two until eight, an angel. It was just, I don't know what I thought. But anyway, so um, so I was feeling sorry for myself driving home. I live in the country. So I got into into my driveway again. I was saying, I don't know why, you know, I, I can't uh, I can't. Uh, have uh, angels I, I bet I just my life is not important and that's just feelings you know sorry for myself kind of bitching <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, so, and so as I was searching for my key because my kids had forgotten to uh, to keep uh, the lights on I was looking for my key in the you know just uh searching for it with my hands in the pocket pocketbook all of a sudden, I heard this voice saying, turn around, turn around. And, and I turned and I didn't know where to turn, but right 
on the right side of the this my big garage it's a it's a four uh it's a 24 by 40 double decker gamper roof garage it's not small and this angel was about three times the size of the garage one wing spread all the way down to the street the other one spread all the way down to the north side of my property and it was pulsating. It was made out of these uh, fluffy uh, clouds. The clouds, some were white, some were grayish to kind of uh, enhance the, the look of the wings, you know, the, 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 the uh, feathers on the wings. And all, all I could say was, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. It was so, so clear. And I, the next thing I hear was, is this big enough for you? Okay, so I realized that she was kind of uh, teaching me to be to keep it light, not to be so serious all the time. And then she began to say, I said, well, who, the, who are you? My name is Naomi, she said. I am the one that used to come and visit you when you were a child in Italy. Mm. I'm here to tell you that I have been, you and I have been together before, before earth time. And to remind you that you chose to do this work. It was part of your contract, but the information doesn't come from you. It comes through you. You're just an instrument. All you must do is trust and allow, and we will do the rest. I find it interesting that you use the word contract. Yes. Which makes it, you know, you're bound and you're obligated to do something. When I hear that word contract, would you agree with that? The spiritual contract that we all make, well, uh, most of us don't even remember that. But when we we get drawn to something, it's because our soul remembers that's part of the contract that we wrote before we come on the earth. Do you feel like Naomi is a member of your soul group or your guardian angel or something entirely different? I I believe that angels are not part of the soul group. Uh there she told me that she she is my she was my personal angel. Now that doesn't mean that she uh, caters completely to me. Because energy can be, you know, separated, split, and work with uh, multiple uh, uh, people at the same time. But that was the my contract with her that mm-hmm. she uh, she became my personal uh, angel. Mm-hmm. So, what did that mean to you? That this is what you chose to do. What did you? What did you? you know, what? What was the choice that you reasoned out of this? Well, my first thought was, was I crazy or what? You know, of course. And then I started kind of thinking of it and starting to go down into my gut. That's where the gut really knows everything. And that's where it felt right. Yeah, I I did. I, I did contract this. And and so but it was very pivotal time for me, that explanation from her that I didn't need to be 
fully responsible for for what comes out of me because I'm just an instrument. You know, I'm supposed to just uh, trust and and allow, and everything else uh, is going to flow through me. Mm-hmm. It was very important information that I um, I needed, and it, it was funny because then I I began I I felt like me <laughs> felt like uh, I had been wasting time, so I would journal and ask them. Uh, I journal with with my my angels. I knew I had uh, more than one at that time, and I would say, "So, what do I need to do to be able to to be uh, progressing in in my journey?" And I think I might have asked that too many times because at one point they said, "Get yourself a step stool," and I said, "What? Well, what do you mean by that?" says well you're going to in your future you're going to be doing a lots of uh, speaking engagements mm. and the podium is too tall for you mm. wow i'm i'm under 5 year, five, <laughs> 5 feet tall okay so they put humor into that again to 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 uh, let me know that i i needed to keep things light mm. Mm. <laughs> out of all of these experiences that you had did any one of them or all of them spiritually transform you into something more or something different than you were before it happened? Yeah, I am. And I'm what, not the same person that and, I that I was. And what was the transformation in you that took place? The, the transformation, mostly, I would have to say, is that I see things so differently. And I, I think a, a lot of the NDE people understand this more than anyone else it's like we perceive things differently than most people it's like we know in advance what's going to happen the feelings that we get about people it's it's there's no explanation you just go by feelings I tell my husband who's an engineer I says I I feel this and he says what do you mean feel feel what do you feel you either know or you don't if he doesn't understand, but he he, um, he supports me because he hears the feedback from the from the people that I help. You know, so um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but uh, you can ask another one. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I don't know if we've talked about this before or not, but um, I'm starting to ask NDE experiencers: Is there anything? that happened during your experience that you've never shared with anybody publicly except maybe with another NDE experiencer? Because some NDE people have confided that, yes, they do. And only one's actually told me, I believe, what he, he was willing to share that. Mm. Is that true? And, and or is that true for you? It is because... Uh... I have done that with people that have actually had that near-death experience. And when they share with me, because I also I co-facilitate the, the NDE group here in Connecticut. And so uh, they contact me when they're looking for a group sometimes, you know, and, and so I, uh, I truly identify with them. I have, um, they have said things to me. It says, you won't, you won't believe this. Tina, you're going to think I'm crazy, but plants talk to me. Mm, and I said, I said, um, 
I just said, welcome to my world. Well, so that's a new one. I got to remember that. I haven't heard that one before. Well, I might have heard that, but no one willing to admit that, that they speak with plants. Oh, did they, they talk back. Mine are very emotional. Instead of saying, please, you know, water me. Thirsty, thirsty. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, humor, humor is so important. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Are there any after effects from the NDE that are made difficulty in your life and you have to manage them? Yeah, well, of course, because I hit my head, the, I still feel sometimes the, like a um, uh, a feeling on the, on the left side of my head that something is definitely was there. Um, I feel that, and it's like a throbbing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the other things, it's like, for example, I hear the um, uh, uh, like the ambulance, the sirens, whether it's the police or the ambulance, and I find myself just with my hands right out and uh, sending by remotely sending healing energy to the area of need. I don't need to know whether it worked or not because. When I use myself as an uh, as a uh, an instrument, I know that the energy will go to where it's needed. Now, the person who might be in the ambulance might not be ready to receive, might not be ready to be healed, but the energy never goes to waste. It might be going to someone who's uh, in the area open to receive, or it comes back to the original instrument. Energy never goes to waste. All right. I'm going to change directions on you a little bit here. You are also a psychic and a medium and a channel healer. Mm. Um, were you doing this before your NDEs or are these a result of your NDEs that you have the ability to do this now? I feel that uh, the NDEs have, have only enhanced them, but because this work was part of my contract, Hmm. I don't think that I would have been able to see my beautiful lady when I was two years old if if I, my veil of consciousness wasn't already thin. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So you have a soul center, and that's an acronym, S-O-U-L. Well, oh. it's it's sort of uh, that uh, I when I started this and it's uh, used to for 17 years, I did uh, a meditation group here out of um, my home. That's where the center is. Mm-hmm. I have a, a largest labyrinth in Connecticut, uh, private labyrinth in Connecticut on my oh. property. Oh, wow. And I do events there and everything. But uh, what, I felt like I needed to honor my group. And so I asked, what uh, what do I call this, uh, you know, this uh, center? And I heard it very clearly, source of unconditional love, mm. soul center. I like that. So when you are being a medium or you're channeling, are you channeling angels? Are you channeling other people's relatives? All of that, yes. Everything. Whatever is needed, past, present, future, whatever comes through, uh, energy work. Uh, sometimes they lead me to use uh, my Tibetan bowl to uh, to release some stuck energy on people's bodies, whatever is needed. Mm-hmm. I never know in advance what, what I'm going to be doing. I just allow. 
mm-hmm. and trust. Do you ever work with other people who've had near-death experiences? As far as work with them in what way? You know, healing them. Well, if they uh, if they ask for it, sure, I, I'll work with them. I've had people come, uh, not necessarily near-death experiences, but people that came to to see me. And my, my sessions sometimes last more than two hours. It's always the same price. But two months later, uh, someone asked, uh, called again, says, Tina, I need another session. So I checked in and I heard, no, she doesn't need another session. She needs to practice what she learned in the first session. Mm. She needs to practice that now. Mm. So mm. I'm always guided. What would you say inspires you? about your near-death experiences? The the clarity that I get that we're all connected, we're all one, the oneness, and and the fact that they, uh, there, is, uh, there is no time. Everything mm-hmm. is happening. The only reason we have time on the earth is because we wouldn't be able to... Uh, have appointments like tonight right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but on the other side it's all it's linear the time is linear so and i'm aware of all that so sometimes when i hear them say somebody asks so when am i going to do this or that and i they say um oh when the when this when the leaves are on the ground but they don't tell me what year Mm -hmm. so sometimes uh, you know spirit has a hard time figuring out the the time frame on the earth. So your book is called We Are Angels. Are you working on any other projects, like another book or anything else that you'd like us to know about? No, actually, it feels like whatever I had to share, it's in that book. And people ask me, when is your next book? I said, no, this book is going to be a single child. (laughs) Uh, When I do my speaking engagements, I will add more to it like for example when i stopped having my uh, sessions here uh, in my uh, home office i this was last day uh, last march and then in april i uh, i let some uh, regulars know that at, at the same time seven o'clock on that first thursday i was gonna just sit and uh, meditate and if anybody wanted to just join me remotely they could and i um i actually channeled information to do with this uh, covid situation hmm. which is very interesting because a year that was a year ago and now we're we're you know this and it's still valid i might as well have channeled it today hmm. as a matter of fact if you want me to send it to you i will that it's only one page yeah sure that'd be great okay um is it something that I can share with all the audience? Yes. As a matter of fact, the uh, spirit says for me to share, I, I posted it uh, more than once on my uh, Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And it's important that everybody uh, gets connected to that energy because there's energy between the lines and it's pretty simply written, but it just gets to you. It just, it's, it's a straight, you'll, you'll feel it when I send it to you. Okay. What is your website and what is your Facebook page? Okay, well, Facebook page is Tina Angeli. That's how you can uh, find me. The website is uh, uh, www.weareangels.net. Okay. 
and that's how people can get in touch with me. And uh, I have a couple of uh, different uh, videos of uh, people that have interviewed me in there. And I have a picture of my uh, big labyrinth on my property. So check it out. <laughs> oh, wow. So would you say you're a public or private person? You know, this is an interesting thing because I used to be the shyest person out there. I used to find all kinds of excuses like, uh, oh, my accent is not going to be understood. I'm shy, blah, blah, blah. And since the, especially the last near-death experience, mm-hmm. I that shyness completely left me. I'm no longer shy. I love my solitude, but I also like to be with people. Mm. Out of all the things you're doing now, what gives you the most inspiration, most happiness, most excitement in your life? To be able to share what I receive, give it to others. Many times it comes uh, just spontaneously for certain people that I, so I, I, when my mind is fresh in the morning, that's when I get, I get hits of spontaneous messages. And of course, if I don't give it to those that are supposed to receive them, it feels like a broken record in my head. So once it's out of me, that's it. Mm -hmm. So that's very uh, exciting and uh, uh, full of gratitude for me to be able to be of service in that way and to be able to welcome people here for, uh, you know, when, when the, the weather is right, to walk, the, the labyrinth is open to anybody. And it's actually registered under the uh, National Labyrinth Society. Is the labyrinth made by hedges? No, it's, it's uh, 14 tons of rocks. <laughs> the, oh, the lines, the, it's got 11 circles and uh, they're all lined up with uh, rocks. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I believe that quite a few people that watch these podcast videos are people that are new to NDEs and have may have recently experienced one themselves. Do you have any advice for people who have recently had an NDE and are not knowing what to do? What's important to know is the IANS, the International Association of Near-Death Study, is an incredible uh, support system. Lots of information there. And they also have uh, printouts. Uh, for example, if you feel like you're going nuts and, and you want to go see a, a, a counselor, there is a printout there on the IANS uh, website that tells you what your mental health expert needs to know about an NDE. Mm-hmm. For example, one of the worst things that you could say to one of us is, oh, come on, you just, you know, it was just in your mind. That is, that is very, we take that personal. Mm-hmm. You get used to it after a while, but originally you do take this. Oh, could, that was my life. How could you say that it was in my mind? Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right, Tina. Well, before we wrap it up, can you give us one last message? I remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, uh, I feel that it's, it's very important for all of us to know that nothing happens by accident. We 
all came on the earth to experience certain things. And when people come and see me and say, oh, I, I'm this age and I still don't know what it is that I'm supposed to be doing uh, in my life, just trust your gut and see what you're drawn to. What it is that you're drawn to is exactly what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Okay. And no accident. We're not victims. And that's basically important to know that uh, no one is a victim. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. You're very welcome. Jeff. thank you. And Tina, thank you for being my guest. I really appreciate you giving me some of your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you. And have a um, good evening. You too. Bye-bye now. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.